I've said before on this show that your own mind is one of the main things that prevents you from achieving the financial success that you want. Over the next few shows, I'm going to discuss with you some of the mental roadblocks that are getting in your way. If you are aware of them, it makes them easier to overcome. Today's mental roadblock is overconfidence bias. Welcome to the 360 Blue Financial Strategies Show. Join us as we discuss actionable steps you can take today to gain financial freedom. Jonathan Pop, Iris Sagrado, and Glenn Steers are registered representatives offering securities and advisory services through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC, 360 Blue Financial Strategies and United Planners are not affiliated. The views expressed are those of the speaker as of the date noted, are subject to change based on market and other various conditions, are not a solicitation purchase or sell any security and may not reflect the views of United Planners Financial Services. Keep in mind that current and historical facts may not be indicative of future results. Now on to the show. When I was a teenager, I would always go out into the woods with my best friend Carl. And we'd go out there and shoot BB guns and go camping and play paintball. And there was one spot that we loved to have a bonfire. But it was a little little hard to access because it was at the bottom of the ravine. And then you had to cross a little creek and go back up. So one summer, we decided that we were going to build a bridge. We actually chopped down two trees and hauled them down with a winch. We hauled them down the ravine. Then we hauled bags of cement and lowered them down to the spot on a sled. Then we dug some holes and mixed the concrete, then set the ends of the trees into the concrete. So we had two tree trunks crossing this little stream. Now all we needed was some lumber to make the planks that we would walk on. So my dad offered to take us to Menards to buy the wood, but I was kind of in this zone that I didn't really want any help. We had done everything ourselves so far, and I thought that we just didn't need his help. So he repeatedly told me, when you go to Menards, you need to go to the desk and tell them you need treated lumber. Get two by sixes. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll figure it out. I can only imagine now what my dad must have been thinking at the time. You know, okay, good luck. So my best friend and I drive to Menards. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Menards before. If you've never been there, it's really intimidating if you don't know what you're doing. It's a huge hardware store. And if you don't know the layout, it's kind of hard to find anything. So I remember roaming the aisles looking for treated lumber. I'm walking by paint cans, light fixtures, and I'm thinking, okay, no treated lumber here. And it took forever. Finally, we find shelves of wood. And I'm thinking, ah, here it is. So we buy some two-by-sixes and load them up into the sedan that we had driven over. And on the way back, you know, the beams are sticking out the front window. I remember that trip taking a long time. And when we got back to my parents' house, my dad pointed out that we bought the wrong stuff. We bought two-by-sixes. We got that part right. But it wasn't treated. He specifically said get treated wood, and we did not get the treated wood. We just got normal wood. But we decided, what the heck, we'll just build our bridge anyway. Well, it's a couple of decades later that have gone by, and that bridge is long gone, eaten away by nature. 
Looking back, I remember the experience. If I had just taken my dad's advice and had him come with us, not only would it have been a much faster trip, but we would have bought the correct materials. Instead of roaming the store like a bunch of fools, my dad would have taken us to the counter, told the guy what we needed, and then we would have driven to the lumber yard outside to get the treated wood. And it would have been a pretty quick trip. What my friend and I suffered from was overconfidence bias. Overconfidence is when your perceived ability is higher than what it actually is. I thought, oh, I can figure this out. And in reality, I had no idea what I was doing. Later in life, I grew up and bought a house that needed a lot of fixing. And I remember that incident at Menards. So this time, instead of going all Rambo and attacking it by myself, this time I called up my dad and said, I need some help. Overconfidence bias can really hurt you when it comes to personal finance and especially investing. There was a study done a while ago called Trading is Hazardous to Your Wealth, the Common Stock Investment Performance of Individual Investors. This study looked at individual investors who actively traded stocks on their own. And it found that those people who traded all the time, of course, didn't do as well on their investments. One of the reasons for this is overconfidence in one's ability to trade stock. Some people think they can just turn on CNBC and have it running in the background all day long, and then suddenly they'll be able to outperform everybody and correctly time the stock market. But it turns out they can't. The authors of the study also concluded that overconfidence is triggered by self-attribution bias. Now what is that? Self-attribution is the belief that when something good happens, it's because of your skill. But if something bad happens, it's just bad luck. You ever meet someone like this? If things go their way, they're the genius that made it happen and they're so smart. But if things go wrong, it's somebody else's fault. Nothing to do with their complete lack of ability. It's just somebody else's fault. This leads to overconfidence bias. Overconfidence in your investing skill can have a really dramatic effect on your returns over time. The study looked at a five-year period in an up market where the market averaged 17.9% a year. The investors who actively traded made 11.4%. So that's 6.5 percentage points less a year than what the market did. So if you take the underperformance and then add in all of the time and energy spent on researching individual stocks and doing the trading, you end up with a pretty lousy scenario. Another problem with overconfidence can come into play with your personal finance. This is the person that's overconfident in their ability to make future money. They have no problem buying fancy cars and houses that are too big because they incorrectly assume they'll be rolling in riches down the road. They think they're smart, they'll figure it out, and they'll make more money later on, and that'll pay for it. But sadly, these overconfident types don't figure it out later, and then they get into trouble financially. But then, of course, they'll say it's not their fault, they just had bad luck, 
or someone or something stop them from achieving success. Don't be one of these people. The best way to find out if you're a victim of this thinking is to take a look at your finances over the past 10 years. How have you done? Are you better off? Is your net worth better? If you've been doing it your way for a while and it hasn't worked, maybe it's time for a change. Try something different. Maybe accept the fact that you need some help, and that's a good thing. I thankfully learned my lesson about overconfidence when I went shopping that time at Menards in high school. When I grew up and bought the house, I knew to swallow my pride and ask for some help. And I'm really glad I did. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Many times, you'll be better off. And that is it for me. Go have yourself a glorious day. For more information, go to 360blue.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-S-I-X-T-Y, blue.com. Keep in mind that this show is designed to be educational only. The representatives on this podcast do not provide legal or tax advice. For individual guidance, please speak with someone who knows you and your situation.